0: are a digital church on a quest to discover how Jesus helps us live a more meaningful life. We are a community, a space to explore the Christian faith, and a place where you can contribute and grow. Our service will last about an hour, and in a few seconds we will start with a time of worship, after which you will meet our hosts for our service who will introduce today's talk. After the talk, we head into Conversation Street, where we look at your stories and questions that you've posted in the comments throughout the live stream. I want to invite you to connect with us here at CrowdChurch, and there are a few ways that you can do just that. Firstly, you can engage with Crowd from any device during our live stream. And if you're up for it, why not invite a few friends over and experience the service together? You see, church is all about connecting with God and connecting with others. And one of the easiest ways for you to do that is to also join one of our midweek groups where we meet online together to catch up and discover more about the amazingness of Christ. You can also subscribe to our podcast called What's the Story? Where we deep dive into stories of faith courage from everyday people. More information about all of these things that I've mentioned can be found on our website at www.crowd.church or you can reach us uh, on social media at CrowdChurch. If you're new to Crowd or new to the Christian faith and would like to know what your next steps to take are, well, why not head over to our website crowd.church forward slash next for more details. And now, the moment you've been waiting for is here. Our online church service starts right now. Well, good evening, everyone. Uh, welcome to Crowd Church. My name is Matt Edmondson, and beside me is my beautiful wife.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: Greetings and salutations. Sorry, we're a little bit late. Sorry, uh, we had a few technical issues. We went live and then it all crashed, and so um, hopefully if you were on the old live stream uh, links, then you'll find us. So uh, sorry about that. Uh, Welcome to you. Hi, Miriam. Hi, Andy. Hey, Andy. How you doing, brother? Good to see you. Um, Welcome to Crowd. Like I said, we are, Well, like I said at the start, we were talking about this, weren't we, that this was pre bearded match yeah, it's recorded. a little bit out of date, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so the whole video intro we created uh, is a little bit out of date. Uh, and so I was saying we need to re record it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I've just spent the last few minutes watching him frantically typing and doing stuff to try and get this back up. So yeah. it'll very impressive.
0: Apparently. Uh, apparently. Um, and do you know what the problem was? Do you know? Uh, yeah, you won't know no what the problem idea. was. This whole issue was caused by somebody turning off a piece of equipment that should not have been turned off.
1: Someone's in trouble.
0: Yeah, and I don't know who yet.
1: Definitely wasn't me.
0: Uh, But when I find out, man alive, is that going to be trouble? (laughs) Anyway, we're with you now. So a warm welcome to you. We'll update all the thumbnails and all that sort of stuff Uh, probably tomorrow. We'll get the video guys to do that. So, yeah, we'll get all that stuff sorted out. But apologies and welcome if you're just joining us now. There have been a few tech issues, but we are live. We are streaming, it seems. And people are in the comments saying, how's it? So hello. Yeah, (laughs) I'm just going to calm down a little bit now. So what have we got coming up today?
1: We've got a talk with Will Sopwith, who's continuing in our very long series of acts. I think we're almost at the end now, though. Uh, Yeah, so he's going to be talking about that. And then after that, we will be back uh, to chat about it and take any questions.
0: Yes, we are. I'm just getting people messaging me going, are we live? Um, I can't see you anywhere. Uh, so I'm going to sort out those texts. In fact, what I'm going to do is we're just going to go straight into the talk while I carry on sorting out the tech issues, unless you want to talk for a little bit while I'm somewhere. No,
1: it's fine. And I'm definitely not talking out the tech, uh,
0: <laughs> out the tech issues. <laughs> yeah, I'll just carry on the show. You sort out the tech issues. Uh, so I'm just going to let everybody know what the new link is. Um, If you're watching on Facebook or if you're watching on YouTube, just share it out on social media so that those people that do watch along with us can get a hold of the new link as well. Uh, In the meantime, here is Will. We'll be back
2: after this. I wonder how you would define good and bad. I wonder whether you would consider yourself a good person or a bad person. And I wonder what difference you think following Christ Would make to your assessment, or anyone else else assessment, of how good and bad you were. Now, good and bad might seem obvious. If I gave you a survey asking you to classify a set of fairly obvious behaviours, I don't imagine there would be much variation in view. The Jewish Ten Commandments cover some of these. Murder, theft, lying about someone. If I did the same survey in another cultural setting, however, the results might be different. There might even be differences in a group of, say, 70-year-olds compared to 20-year-olds. And actually, when you start thinking about it, there are a lot of grey areas. You might start responding to some scenarios with, it depends. Does it matter? Is morality even a thing these days? Isn't it just a religious tool to make us feel guilty? Isn't my truth the most important thing? Isn't moral behaviour just down to individual perspective? That is, as long as no one gets hurt. You might be surprised to know that this issue of good and bad has been a topic, a philosophical and at times scientific debate for hundreds of years. And the reason is this. If you take divine instruction or a faith code out of the equation, for example, the Ten Commandments, what basis of morality do you turn to? And any thought experiment realizes quite quickly that having some shared view of what is good or bad behavior, or more precisely, acceptable or unacceptable behavior, is actually quite important in order for a society to function. Despite the logical conclusion of evolution that good or bad behavior really shouldn't matter unless it increases your chance of survival, Darwin himself recognised that some form of common morality was essential for the survival of social animals. Social experiments in anarchy or lawless communities, and there have been a few, have never ended well. Not that I've heard anyway. It's obvious. Despite the apparent attraction of living entirely to meet your own selfish needs, I suggest that most people actually want to live in a good neighborhood, where their house isn't broken into, where they're not either completely ignored or constantly on the defense from attack. On a macro level, how can you foster cooperation between countries on something as big as climate change if there's no commonly understood acceptable way of acting? And if behavior is entirely down to us as individuals to decide what is good, what is bad, how can you develop any sense of accountability or uphold law and order? How can you protect the rights of individuals in your community to live safely and freely? How can you uphold human rights where there's no agreement on what human duties are? Now of course religion and faith supply this moral framework to an extent and fill this gap But starting with Immanuel Kant in the 18th century, philosophers rejecting the existence of God have been musing on the need for an alternative, religion-free set of common rules of behaviour. They recognise there needs to be some, but can't accept that God is the source. A couple of years ago, an anthropology research group in Oxford did some really interesting research across 60 distinct cultures across multiple continents, and they identified seven moral rules that were consistently evident in all these different cultures, arguing this was the closest we've got yet to a universal, non-religious moral code. These behaviours, these definitive badges of good people, are these. Helping family, helping group, reciprocating, by which I mean returning favours, paying back debts, but also taking revenge, being brave, respecting superiors, dividing resources so that everyone has enough, respecting property. And the theory goes that all these contribute to cooperation especially with those closest to us, which therefore, in the end, benefits us as individuals. This fact that good behavior actually increases our likelihood of survival neatly gets around the problem of why morality exists at all in the selfish survival theory of evolution. So, in a nutshell, good behavior is counted good if, in the end, it helps me. And this is more or less the basis of game theory. So it follows. If there is a universal view of good and bad behaviors, there is also a universal judgment of whether someone is a good or a bad person. And this is usually as a result of someone's behavior, how they stack up against the seven moral laws, but there's also an astonishing amount of self-help wisdom on the internet claiming that the universe treats people according to their morals, etc. I.e. your circumstance is somehow evidence of your moral standing. Now, being Crowd church, you may be unsurprised to know that we will be looking at what the Christian worldview says about all this. And the passage we're looking at is a little scene to help us unpack it. And today's talk is called Bad stuff happens to bad people. And I think we need to put a question mark on the end of that. So the passage is Acts 28, verse 1 to 10. And this is it. Now, when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he has escaped from the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they'd looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed and he laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways, and when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. Let's remind ourselves of the context. Paul is on what it turns out to be his last journey. He'd been arrested in Jerusalem several years before. The Jewish leaders had finally had enough of what they saw as his blasphemous views on Jesus. Paul had been knocking around under house arrest with no one taking any responsibility for what would happen to him and he was finally dispatched to Rome to make his case before Caesar himself on the way the ship gets caught in a storm Paul persuades the Roman soldiers not to kill all the prisoners boldly proclaims no one will die and they are washed ashore on the island of Malta all alive as predicted and that's where we get to the passage today So in the lead up to this episode on Malta, you could argue there was quite a bit of evidence on a simplistic level that Paul was securely in the bad camp, that the universe was clearly paying him back. He'd been under arrest for years. He'd been within an inch of losing his life. He must have been at quite a low point, freezing, exhausted, perhaps losing hope for his future. He didn't even have a family, any heirs to continue the family name. Malta was not a dream summer holiday destination at the time, but a rather out-of-the-way and random spot to end up. On many counts, you might conclude he was an unfortunate person. Clear indication that he was also bad. In fact, this episode wasn't even half of it. In his letter to the church in Corinth, he describes his glorious life of ministry in this way and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. The Islanders didn't know all this. Seeing his misfortune of being bitten by a snake was enough for them to conclude, conclude he must be a bad person. Ironically, they were right. Paul was a murderer. It probably falls in our helpful it depends category as he thought he was doing it in God's name and he didn't throw the fatal stone but Stephen was killed with Paul's full support. Circumstance was not an uncommon approach to judging someone's morality. There's a a story in Luke 13 where some people who had been killed when a tower collapsed and some others killed by the Romans and desecrated after their death with with their blood mixed with a Roman sacrifice. And the crowd was assuming these people must have been really bad to have that happen to them. Again, in John 9, his disciples asked Jesus whether the reason that a man was blind was because he was bad, i.e. it was his fault, or whether it's because his parents had been bad. It's not unlike the idea of karma, where good and bad karma is accumulated through life, both affecting the future and ultimately the quality of your reincarnation. Or is the, the Islamic belief that God will weigh our good and bad deeds at the end of our lives and make a decision about how deserving we are of heaven? What comes around goes around. There are scriptures about the consequence of good and bad, but Jesus more often talks about fruit. First off, in the scenarios above, Jesus said no. No. What happens is a not about people's morality. The guys that the tower fell on, it's nothing to do with whether whether they're bad or good. There's no karma at work. He says that the evidence of good or bad is not behavior or consequence, but the heart. He accuses the ultra-religious people with their meticulous attention to doing the right thing, keeping all the rules. He accuses them of being hypocrites. He says it's what's inside a person that makes them right or wrong. Jesus even calls out the world's accepted tit-for-tat view of morality as described in the Oxford research, the doing good so you get something. In Matthew 5, verse 38, he's recorded as saying, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile. Do not resist anyone asking something from you further on in the same chapter if you love those who love you what reward do you get if you greet only your own people what are you doing more than others even the unbelievers do that and in Luke 14 he tells someone hosting him to a meal don't just invite your friends they'll invite you back invite the crippled the poor the blind then you will be blessed although they cannot repay you you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. He also says, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In other words, don't show off your good deeds. That's what Jesus said about it. We don't have in this story on Malta what Paul's response was to the islanders around the fire, but we do know he had spent the last years reflecting on and teaching the words of Jesus. We also have some examples of his writing and preaching, both here in Acts, but also in the letters in the New Testament. In his letter to the church in Philippi, Philippians three, verse nine, Paul describes actually that he was in Jewish terms, pretty much the perfect soul. He was taught by the best teacher. He had a spotless record in terms of religious observance. He was from the right tribe. His conclusion, I count all of this as filthy rags compared with knowing Christ. In his letter to the church in Rome, he writes very honestly, I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. I do not do the good that I want to do, but instead the evil I do not want to do. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me? Thanks be to God, I'm delivered through Jesus. Being good, and especially being considered good by others, didn't really register with Paul. So being a Christian, following Jesus, does not automatically make you a good person, just as not following Jesus does not automatically make you a bad person. And I have to confess here that in my early days, I was arrogant enough to think that. That my whole rationale for saying people should follow Jesus was that that was the only way they could become good That the only way for any goodness to be in the world was if everyone followed Jesus. There are many Christian people that have brought a lot of good things to the world. And sadly, many that have brought bad. The point is, you can't always judge the state of someone's heart by behaviour and definitely not by circumstance. If your view of the Christian faith is that it represents good behavior, that's quite a narrow view. So what is it about? What allowed Paul, in a fairly desperate situation, to continue faithfully bringing God's word, serving people by praying for them, as we read in the passage, being a conduit of Jesus' power through healing? Well, I believe it was God's grace just as he wrote in the letter to Rome, Paul is very familiar with his shortcomings. He knows he's a murderer. He knows he has caused pain and distress to many undeserving people before he met Jesus. He's under no illusion what his behavioral credentials mean. But he also knows that God has declared him good. When he was honest before God, what state his heart was in. He truly met with the one whose very nature is described as good. Paul's sense of being right with the world had nothing to do with his unenviable circumstance. It had nothing to do with his self-interested helping others so he could get some benefit. It had nothing to do with what anyone thought of him or his standing in society. It certainly had nothing to do with any wealth or possessions. He was a shipwrecked convict. Paul's peace came from the knowledge that he who is ultimately good accepted him. He who is ultimately wise would see him through to the end of his service. He who is ultimately gracious would provide for his basic needs. I don't imagine he had much pride left, and yet he comes across as the most grounded individual in the whole saga. So to finish, judging people as good or bad is not really a worthwhile enterprise. It's likely to be wrong and anyway, missing the point. Jesus is not looking for good people to join his family, his church. He's looking for honest people that want to walk with him and learn. And if you are following Jesus, go beyond the norm and the expected. But remember, it's not some do-good-a-beauty contest. God is good. Hanging around him and his people will rub off. Copying Jesus feels good and will bring good. But these are both happy byproducts of the joy and peace of knowing his grace and forgiveness. I don't believe they were meant to be the badge.
0: So welcome back. Just adjusting my microphone there. Uh, thanks, Will. What a great talk.
1: So many different bits in that. I've written so many. Notes. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> such like a legend, isn't he, Will? Certain bits to go oh, I could pick up on that. Or yeah, yeah. On that one.
0: Yeah. Now he's great. I love. I love how he. Um, how he just chats away and is very clear in the way that he thinks. So thanks, Will. Great talk. He was in a great-looking studio as well when he was recording that talk. Amazing. It was a bit windy, though. Did you hear the wind in the background? No. Okay, maybe it was just me. My sensitive ears. I was very focused. (laughs) So welcome back. If you've just joined us throughout the talk, warm welcome to Crowd Church. We're an online church. Beside me uh, is my beautiful wife. My name is Matt. This is
1: Sharon. Sharon.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we're hosting tonight. We're going to get into Conversation Street. So uh, if you watched Will's talk, write your questions, write your comments, write your thoughts, your ideas, agree, disagree and all that sort of good stuff in the comments. We're going to get through to those. And for those of you who did join us through, like Freya put in the comments, she's a first time listener. Welcome. Freya, it's great to have you. Uh, Got a a bit lost due to the tech issues. Uh, So did we all. Uh, sorry, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm
1: often lost because of tech issues. I think I've said often I struggle with our TV, let alone anything like that. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's uh, it's great to have you. What actually happened is we went live for like two seconds and then the computer went, I'm not going live anymore. Just stopped, threw up. At least it told us, I suppose.
1: Yeah.
0: Said, we're not live. We're not going in live anymore, are we? No, we're not going to do that. So uh, we had to scramble and figure it all out. And of course, the problem with that is... You'd already, we'd already given all the links out. So um, I'm sorry that uh, it took a little bit of time, but thanks for bearing with us. Thanks for sticking with it uh, and joining in. So, morality. Yeah. Good, bad? I was
1: going to say, where, you, where do you want to start? Right, wrong. Uh, gone right in there. Well, I,
0: you know, deep end and all that.
1: Yeah, I find the whole issue of morality is just... Uh, I've just dropped my pen. Twiddled his pen and dropped it.
0: Um, <laughs> I'll put it down. I'll stop playing.
1: Yeah, I just find the whole area of morality really interesting um i've in the past i've done a few courses to around um christian apologetics which is like being able to give a reason for your christian faith and it looks at well many things but that morality is one of those things yeah it's just really interesting because i think all of us agree that right and wrong exists we might not agree what is right and wrong Mm -hmm. but we all agree in the concept and it's like then There's the question, where do you get your morality from? Is it every individual decides for themselves what that is? Or is it more of a group thing with perhaps Mm. some people deciding on behalf of the group, like with government? Yeah. Or is there something beyond people that decides, like, as in, is there a God who decides what is right and wrong? Yeah. And just looking at kind of the problems with those first two things I've mentioned. um, Yeah, it's just. I find it fascinating.
0: Uh, and when she says she finds it fascinating, she really does.
1: <laughs> Been chewing his ear on the way here about it.
0: And it was a great conversation. And the corner of way, we were like, we should totally save this for when we're on yeah. crowd because it was a great conversation. Yeah. Um, but it is an interesting one, isn't it? Because you're right. I think if you. Where does morality come from? So if morality exists. And by morality, we mean the ability to choose between right and wrong.
1: Or the standard of right and wrong
0: or the standard of right and wrong, to make a standard, which is right and wrong. Um, If that exists, then where does that come from? As in who decides whether it's right or wrong?
1: Um, Because if it's like each individual person decides for themselves what's right and wrong, that actually doesn't work in the real world because I might decide that it's fine to to someone's house and steal all their stuff and they might be like well hang on i i don't agree with that but it's like it would be my word against theirs it's like well i've decided yeah and even if you say well you can do what you like as long as it doesn't hurt anybody it's like but that's still your opinion yeah that we shouldn't hurt anybody so
0: that's still morality coming from you isn't it
1: yeah and it just i just don't think it's workable because yeah we're just gonna butt heads on a lot of things
0: which is what we're doing right now really on a global scale isn't it it's that kind of no we've we've decided that Mm. democracy is right and other people go well no no democracy Mm. is not right and so um there's a clash then of opinions
1: yeah
0: of what is right and so if morality is from self then it can only ever be based on Mm. opinion Mm. and that opinion then is subjective isn't it it's not objective and so it all becomes then a case of like you say well it's my opinion versus your opinion
1: and i think that even works in a group scenario so say if in this country we like we have agreed that we elect a a government and they kind of make all the laws that we Mm. can input into but it's still it's the opinion of that group of people and and we find the situation don't we where Mm. these laws get made and then other people are like well hang on a minute that's not right yeah not and i don't think it's sometimes it's people think that's not right by my opinion but other times it's like that is just not, not right. right. Yeah. Not my opinion, like um objectively not right. Yeah. So but to have objective morality you really need god. Yeah. Which, so I personally I think the existence of the fact that we know that there is such a thing as right and wrong Points towards the existence of God. Yeah. I don't think it necessarily proves it, but it points in that direction. Points to the existence it's of, of God. one of the many bits of the puzzle that all work together, yeah. I think, to make a case for God. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And there but, are sorry,
1: I was gonna say there are people who explain this whole thing far better than me, who've spent a lot of time thinking and mm. mulling it over and discussing and yeah, there's a, there's lots of discussion and debate on that.
0: Yeah, there really is, isn't it? The whole morality thing. And, and I mean, Will made reference to the fact, didn't he, that um, the best philosophers came up with some standards like you help family, you help the group, mm-hmm. you reciprocate, which also means revenge. Mm-hmm. You be brave, um, you respect superiors, you respect property, um, and you divide resources. Um, and then he summed it all up basically saying, behaviour is good as long as it benefits me. Uh, which i thought was really fascinating so the best minds the best philosophical minds have come up with these rules which says well um we should help family but again where does that belief come from because Mm -hmm. it's a really interesting question isn't it like we should help the group where does that come from and again if that comes from an individual then it's all on the basis of opinion if it comes from a group well
1: group opinion.
0: This group opinion. And, and we were talking about this in the, in the, on the way down, weren't we? That actually, if we're going to say that morality is based on the general consensus. So as a country, so we're in the UK. I don't know whereabouts in the world you are watching this, but we're in the UK. So in the UK, there is a, a law which says, well, you basically shouldn't, you know, go and kill people willy-nilly, right? So <laughs> I don't think that's the exact... <laughs> wording of the law <laughs> New <Quite> like it. <laughs> but you get the point and so that's a really interesting thing isn't it and, and we say well that's enshrined in law because collectively as a, as a group of people we've gone yeah that that's that's right you shouldn't kill people willy-nilly but if collective opinion is the basis for morality then what about those nations that make rules and laws which are different to my personal opinion Um, And you can take this to extremes, can't you, to illustrate the point. So we were talking about things like, you know, um, well, I probably shouldn't say it on air, actually, just thinking it through what we were talking about in the car. Uh, But there are certain things that certain nations will do to their people. But that's okay because it's collective opinion. Therefore, it's collective morality. Whereas I look at that and go, no. In fact, I will campaign against things like that. And I will probably financially support institutions that stop things like that. So, again, we fall under the same problem, don't Mm. we? That actually objective morality is just the same as a, uh, sorry, collective morality is in effect a collective opinion, but it's still an opinion Um, and it's still subjective. It's still based on what you think and what I think. Mm. And if we think differently to each other, well then who's to say who's right and who's wrong? Mm. Um, So like going back to your example, if I, you know, if we break into your house, who's to say that we're wrong? Well, there's laws, yeah, but that, doesn't mean that they're moral, or even if they are moral, where's that come from? You mm-hmm. know, so it's it becomes quite a complex question, doesn't it? Yeah, it's sort of it's a bit of
1: a brain wrecker. It, it is.
0: Um, Andy put in the comments that morality can make people think that they're not that bad when all of us have missed the mark. Agree or disagree? Ooh,
1: um, yeah, I guess it. Sorry, say that again. <laughs> Mor- <you just> listen, <laughs> so, uh, are you listening? Now? I am listening. Now.
0: <laughs> Morality can make people think that they're not that bad when all of us have missed the mark. I can put it on there. There we yeah. go. Look, I can do that.
1: Yeah, I think um it can be very easy to compare ourselves to other people or to like the broader laws like, well, I've not murdered anyone. Yeah. I've not stolen anyone. I've not ended up in prison. So Therefore, I'm a good person. I'm not as bad as that person that I see over there. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I think it can make us think like that. But it's like it's what do we use as our standard, isn't it? If we Mm. use God and his awesomeness as our standard. Then I think we start to see ourselves in a different light. I've definitely had that experience where uh, specific times over the years where I've gotten closer to God and it's like, that's a, a good thing. But at the same time, it kind of shines a light on your motives and those little things, which yeah. wouldn't really get picked up anywhere. Like you can look from the outside and kind of go, Oh, you know, doing the right thing. But actually it's like, we'll touched on it's about the heart and where our hearts are. Why are we yeah. doing those things? Because you can have two people doing the same thing. So you could have maybe two people raising money for a charity. One of them, it can be purely to make themselves look good in front of other people mm. and to make themselves feel, feel like they are a good person. Yeah. Someone else, it might be because they genuinely love the people yeah. they're trying to raise the money for. So it's like the same action, but a completely different heart place.
0: So you can do the right thing for the wrong reason.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: And you can, I suppose, do the wrong thing for the right reason. But again, this mm. comes—we're now starting to get in philosophical arguments again, aren't we? In the sense <laughs> that, um, I think you're right, Andy. I mean, coming back to what you said, I think it's right that I, it's easy for because I because I I think it's hard to define morality w- without God. I don't know if it's impossible. I think it's quite difficult. i I've I've, I've I have thought about it and I'm not quite sure how I would get to a, a morality yeah. argument. So what tends to happen that if you think about morality in the absence of God, then you start to think about morality in terms of a slide in scale. So you're relatively moral. Mm. So I might not be totally pure, We've all done bad things. We've all done things that we regret. We've all done things we shouldn't have done. We've all said things we shouldn't have done. None of us are perfect. We'll all agree and attest to that. But like you said, you, you start to think about, well, I'm not as bad as that person over there because, mm. well, I've not killed anybody. I've not done this. I'm not as bad as Putin because I'm not you know evil. I'm not as bad as uh, this person over here because I'm not, you know, whatever. And so we then start to measure our morality against people that inevitably are worse than us to make ourselves feel better.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, We don't tend to like to get around people that are more moral people than we are, I don't think, because we then start to feel a little bit better about our own behavior. Um, But we're very good at judging our behavior against people who we deem to be less moral Mm. than us, I think. Mm. Yeah. And we look to them to justify how we're living life. And so the classic example um, of this is the guy, and you see it in the movies all the time, don't you? There's a guy zooming down the road. He gets pulled over by the policeman for speeding. And the guy the guy says to the policeman, why are you stopping me? I'm a law-abiding citizen. Surely you should be spending your time tracking down the murderers in the city. Um, in other words, not acknowledging... It's acknowledged, yeah, a cow's speeding, but surely there's more important things for you to worry about than me because this is a very minor crime versus the very major crimes over there. You need to think about that, right? And so, again, morality becomes relative. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I agree with you, uh, Andy, and I I think in the absence of God, it's a slippery slope downward. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, I just want to say here what we're not saying is that if people don't have faith that they can't be moral, because yeah, guess as Christians, we believe that everybody has that sense of right and wrong. And yeah. everybody, um, like Will said, actually, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. There are some uh, people who don't believe in God, who do amazingly fabulous yeah. things. And there are some people who claim to follow God, who do awful things. So yeah. yeah, we've still got that choice into whether we do that.
0: Yeah, again, that's something we were talking about, wasn't it? So if if we would say that morality points to the existence of God, which we would argue it probably does, then why is it people that proclaim the name of God are some of the most immoral people on the planet, you know, and do the most horrendous atrocious acts um, to groups of people, to individuals, to gender. I mean, it's just, and it's a fascinating question, isn't it? But again, you come back to the fact that I suppose, just because God is a true and moral God but nobody else is including the people that proclaim his name and do horrific acts in them I don't I don't think the Christian we're not saying that Christians or other religions have the monopoly on morality mm. um, I think probably where the Christian faith thinks a little bit differently here to say the Muslim faith which we'll ch- touched on is, that I think as Christians, we go, there is a morality, there is a law which is from God. There is right, there is wrong, there is good, there is bad. We have all broken it, so we're all collectively responsible. No, None of us are, uh, are perfect with the exception of one person, which we would say was Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and so therefore, we all have to come to God. Um, And I love what Will was saying about that in terms of when he was talking about Paul, how when Paul came to God, he was a religious fanatic who had taken the word of God, twisted it to mean something that it wasn't, and made him a murderer. Mm. Sounds familiar, right? Um, Made him a murderer, and he brought that and all his shame and everything before God. Um, And yet God, in the midst of all of that, issued forgiveness, mm. which then made him good and cool. righteous.
1: Yeah, I think we've probably used the word righteous, wouldn't we, in yeah. terms of, he, as in right with God. It's yeah. like God that he forgives the, all the stuff that we've done when we come to him and gives us a good clean up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Bit like my car needs in the M.O.T. We're going to talk more about righteousness, actually, not next week, but the week after. So uh, we're going to get into this topic a little bit because we are beginning our series on becoming whole. What does it mean to become whole? And actually, this is a good little segue. Good little segue because um, like Paul, who had to come to Christ to get the forgiveness, as we all do, because again of this morality thing. So he had to come to Christ to get forgiveness as we all do. The One of the things that happens in that whole conversation is this idea of righteousness, that actually in the midst of that, When we come to God, he makes us righteous, which, as you said, means to be in right standing with God. That's the foundation of wholeness. So if we want to be whole as people and what what does it mean to become whole as Christians, we have to first start with righteousness. So we're going to touch on that in two weeks time when we kickstart our new series.
1: We're also in that covering fruits of the spirit, which Will also touched on when he talks about Jesus talks about fruit rather than looking at the circumstances of our life to decide how well we're doing on that
0: yeah and that's another interesting point actually you know in the old testament uh, and in the new testament you have in ancient times i guess when when there was less knowledge whatever that means when they didn't have the scientific enlightenment i suppose that we would say we have now they would say that if something bad happened it's because maybe god was mad at you or there was mm-hmm. sin or there was some reason for it fast forward two thousand years when something bad happens to us we don't we don't automatically say oh that's because god's mad at you but i still think there's that thinking which says oh i this has happened to me what did i do to cause that to happen why has that happened to me do you know i mean there's almost like um well i i, I live a good life I, why why would this happen to me you know why why would a bad thing happen to a morally good person whatever that means and so um even though i think we are We have a lot more education, a lot more knowledge now. There is still this sort of default thinking which says, actually, (laughs) because I'm okay, I'm a good person, good things inherently should happen to me.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think if we look at the Bible that bad things happen for different reasons. So Mm. sometimes bad things happen, do happen because we've made silly choices. So, for example, if I decide to eat junk all day every day and not do any exercise i'm gonna get ill Mm. that's because of my poor choices yeah and then there are other times like we've seen with uh, that massive list that will gave of all the things that happened to paul what a great advert for ministry (laughs) (laughs) Um, those things didn't happen to paul because of bad choices they happen because he was actually following god doing what god had asked him to do and that it was just like um the Bible does talk about how we're in a spiritual battle. So if we're following God, we are going to have these forces that come against us mm. from time to time. With Paul, it sounded like it was on a fairly regular, basis, yeah, on a regular yeah. basis. And other times, stuff just bad stuff just happens because we're in a broken world. Mm. And it's not necessarily because we're completely in the right place or because we've done stuff wrong. It's just just is. It
0: just is. Yeah. And I think it's quite hard to accept that because quite often we're looking for somebody to blame, mm. um, and we're looking well, we're looking for a reason, usually because we want to blame somebody. Mm. Um, and I remember, I remember when I I had my accident on my hand. you'll remember this? I do. Uh, and I, I decided to cut three of my fingers off because you know you
1: were shown
0: there. Yeah, they've seen the, this before. Oh, okay, right? a little stumpy one. A little stump. Um, so. What, 20 years ago now? 19, 20 years ago? Um, I decided to cut three of my fingers off with a table saw because frankly I had nothing better to do that afternoon, obviously. Um, <laughs> but I I won't but I won't go into the gory details because I'm aware it's pre-watershed. Um but I I I remember going into hospital, I remember saying to the doctor as I went in that listen, guys, I don't I don't want you to take any of my fingers off without my permission. This
1: was when you were going into surgery. This would
0: be pre-surgery, yeah. And I bear in mind I cut them off and I was just kind of expecting them to sew them all on uh, and to fix it all up and work their magic because, you know, what, I was a Christian I prayed and good things happen to Christians. Um, (laughs) Without being too flippant, obviously. And I remember waking up and obviously part of my finger was missing. And I could look at that and I could go, I wanted I wanted to blame the surgeon for that because I I I told him not to do that. I told him not to take any part of my fingers off without my consent, without my permission and they were just going in for an exploratory surgery. They I didn't give them permission to do it and they did it anyway. Um and so for for a little while I had to sort of wrestle with that because I wanted to blame somebody. I wanted to blame that surgeon. I didn't want to thank him for saving the other two and a half fingers. <laughs> I wanted to be mad and angry and I wanted my pound of flesh. And I think sometimes or quite often, actually, we want to blame people. We want to blame something when actually there's not necessarily anyone to blame it. Just it is what it is. I could look at that and go, actually, the reason I was in hospital because I was stupid, because I took the guard off the saw. Um it was a stupid action, but I was doing something good. I was volunteering to build a kitchen for a friend of mine. And so, I mean, I could go back and forth. I was, I mean, there's reasons why it happened. And it happened because it happened. Do you know what I mean? And, and trying to blame somebody. A key
1: decision to take the guard off. <laughs> that yeah, sure.
0: I mean, that was a bit stupid.
1: <laughs> I was not impressed.
0: No, I had to get into trouble. I, I, mm. I did have to ask forgiveness for this little, little thing. <laughs> um, but I guess my point here is sometimes when things happen, they just happen. And I think it's one of the hardest things to get your head around because we want to blame something or somebody, even if it's ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. um, people get diagnosed with cancer. We start to look inwards. Well, I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. Well, I drank a little bit. Is that what caused it? And we're always we're looking for answers which we don't necessarily have the ability to find. Um, but I think in the midst of those things, what Paul teaches is bad things happen to good people. But God still God in the middle of it and we can still trust him even when we don't have the answers. I think that would be a fair thing to say. Yeah. Anything else on your little note uh, list?
1: I was just looking to see. Uh, um, I, um, we've kind of covered it a little bit, but the whole issue of um, the heart I did think was interesting. We have kind of covered that, haven't we? Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> What's going on in the comments? Crews in the comments, tech issues are part and parcel of crowd. Yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> he chops his hand into bits because he's a, I, I think you're trying to say plonker there, Matt. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> uh, Dan's in the comments. Hey, Dan. Uh, Freya says, I'm so thankful that God doesn't shine a light on all of our failings at the same time he shows us bits and pieces, uh, or bite-sized pieces, sorry, so we have a
1: chance to fix the issues. Yeah, I'd, yeah, I definitely agree. I think... Um, the Bible talks so much about God being for us and not against us. I think it, um, quite often people have got this image of God just waiting for them to trip up so they can like strike the line. Uh, yeah, like just like have a go at us and mm. whatever. But the Bible paints a very different picture to to that. Obviously, he he does want us to live right. He wants our hearts to be for mm-hmm. him. He wants us to treat other people right. But it's not because he's horrible and wants to spoil our fun it's because he's made us to thrive in a certain way yeah uh his kingdom it's about love and goodness and so all the things that he says it's it i mean it is for our good Mm. but it's out of that love and i think like freya says when he does show us stuff it he shows us what he wants us to deal with at that point to bring us to wholeness Mm -hmm. to bring us into more relationship with him not so that he can punish us and stick us in a corner somewhere. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, was the storm caused by Sharon's gust of anger? Oh, this must be referring to when I cut my fingers off. I don't I, Maybe there wasn't a storm back then. I don't know.
1: Or was it the storm in the uh, video from Will? Not sure.
0: Oh, maybe. Pff, who knows? I don't think so. I think the answer's no, Matt, to your question. <laughs> <laughs> But thanks for asking, dude. Appreciate it. Um, so yes, morality—one of those fascinating questions around Christianity, around faith, um, around the existence of God—that it's a very complex question, and I love it. I love talking about it because it, for us, like we say, it points to God, and, um, and morality is one of those things. I, if God doesn't exist, I don't understand how there is morality, especially given you know. Darwinism objective morality objective morality yeah especially given Darwinism which would be at odds I feel Uh, maybe I'm wrong maybe someone's going to tell me I'm wrong but I anyway what do you think about it morality get involved in the discussion uh it's been a great conversation what's happening next week is the question crew is back so I'm going to keep up with this now so next week are we finally at the end of acts he says for those of you like freya who's just joining <laughs> us um we have been working our way through the book of acts for what was it pete said last week I know, um 17 years I think <laughs> not quite that I long I this feel. is a very long time we've been working our way through the book of acts uh and next week is the very final chapter the very final set of verses uh, coming into the book of, or coming out of the book of Acts, I suppose, is the very last chapter. So next week will be our very final look. I say very final. We, it's not going to be a very very final, is it? But it's the end of this series. Mm-hmm. It's the finale, the big end to this series on the book of Acts. Um, so we have, yeah, we've got it. We, make sure you're subscribed because you're not going to want to miss the ending. Next week is me and I think Ellie Light is. I'm not not sure why I'm looking at you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I did ask him the question earlier of what's happening next week, and that was when all the tech failed. So it never got answered.
0: Yeah, it never got answered. So next week, John Harding is doing the final chapter of the book of Acts. I'm hosting with Ellie again, answering your questions, just having a conversation because we love the conversations. Do come join us for that. Make sure you're subscribed uh, to All Things Crowd Church. If you haven't done so already, sign up to the email, and we will email you out the links. And hopefully next week, it will work without any issues or hassles we can but pray you know. for these things <laughs> there's always something but bless you we always make it so thanks for sticking with us uh and then like i said the week after that so in two weeks time we start our brand new series called becoming whole we are going to spend probably the best part i'm thinking the next
1: 17 years
0: No, but it's going to be a good few months. So we're going to be looking at wholeness, what that means on five different levels for us. Uh, I'll explain more in a couple of weeks as we go through it, but we're going to be looking at wholeness. What does it mean to be whole people? There's a lot of conversation around that, lots and lots to think about, about wholeness and what that means. So we are going to have rock and roll. So how do we become whole as people? Uh uh matt said here zoom yes midweek we have an online zoom meetups uh if you would like to come join us in those calls then we would love to hear from you um be great to see you in there chris if you're still watching looking forward to meeting you uh, or seeing you in the group on wednesday chris is going to come join us uh, for the first time next week if you want to come join chris and the rest of us in zoom we would love to hear from you just uh, message in, I think if I press that button there, yes, look at that, oh. it's a beautiful thing. The website comes up on the screen, www.crowd.church. Chris is still here, legend. Welcome, Chris. Uh, good to have you on the live stream, man, and, and can meet Chris in the Wednesday night Zoom groups. Like I say, more information at crowd.church, or you can find out more uh, on social media at CrowdChurch. But if you reach out to us either through the website or through social media, uh, we'll just We'll send you the links. Be good to see you in there. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, anything else from you?
1: Yeah, you can include prayer requests as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we pray in the week for you. So, yeah.
0: Ah, Close your ear. (laughs) You can also WhatsApp them in. The the number for the WhatsApp is on the website. Uh, You can WhatsApp your prayer requests in. We would love to hear from you. We do pray whenever people send prayer requests in. Um, So, yeah, do send them in. We'd love to to pray for you guys because we just, you know, God answers prayer. What can I say? Especially when we pray. Because <laughs> we are his favourites. <laughs> just pointing that out. Just joking. Just joking. joking. I'm just joking. We're all his favourites. But I'm his most favourite. So if Nicola was watching now, where's Nicola in the comments? I need Nicola uh, <laughs> giving me grief. Um, so that's it from us. Uh, if it, like I say, any questions, do reach out to us. We'd love to answer them for you um yeah hard lines lfc yeah thanks for that spoiler alert liverpool did not win today <sighs> and played really badly from the little bits that i saw and it's so disappointing I'm sorry. yeah i'm gonna go away and cry now uh, it is what it is jack mariner will be happy jack's the new uh guy right <laughs> well, he's gonna become the new pastor at front line so he's gonna be really happy isn't he let's go give him some grief Uh, Because, you know, we can. Listen, thank you so much for joining. Uh, Have a fantastic week wherever you are in the world. Uh, I will see you next week. You'll see them, I guess, in a couple of weeks. A few
1: weeks time,
0: maybe. A few weeks time. So thank you for joining us. Thanks for being with us. God bless you. We'll see you. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us here on CrowdChurch. Now, if you are watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button, as well as that little tiny bell notification to get notified the next time we are live. And of course, if you are listening to the podcast, uh, the live stream podcast, make sure you also hit the follow button. Now. By smashing the like button on YouTube or writing a review on your podcast platform, it helps us reach more people with the message that Jesus really does help us live a more meaningful and purposeful life. So if you haven't done so already, be sure to check out our website www.crowd.church where you can learn more about us as a church, more about the Christian faith And also how to connect into our church community. It has been awesome to connect with you. And you are awesome. It's just a burden you have to bear. And hopefully we'll see you next time. That's it from us. God bless you.